Hello and welcome in to a new edition of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. I am your host, TJ McBride of MileHighSports.com. That is where you can find all of the written content that exists, as well as this podcast as well on the Mile High Sports app, which you can download in any app store or just online at MileHighSports.com in your browser. Um, we're going to get into all kinds of stuff today. I had a... Um, Technical difficulty once again, my computer decided to start overheating repeatedly, so I had to go get it fixed, but we are back, so I'm going to hit some quick news, and then I'm going to break down the Nuggets roster, because I think that there's a lot that goes into how many minutes guys played last year, where minutes are going to end up being allocated this year, and just kind of project forward what role each player is going to be expected to fill. So I'll kind of give, I'll give my projected starting five, which isn't going to be that surprising. I'll talk about who will be the first guy off the bench, I'll talk about what roles should become increased which guys could lose a bunch of minutes and then talk about some positional battles as well because there's going to be a lot of conversation about who gets minutes and who does not with the Denver Nuggets because there is so much talent basically 13 players deep and that doesn't mean to say that there's 13 players who should be getting legitimate NBA minutes but there are quite a few players that are absolutely NBA players who may not get an opportunity to grow into that NBA player in Denver because of the amount of talent that exists. So this it's a lot that goes through. It might be kind of a longer pod, so we'll definitely dive into it. But before we go any further, quick shout out to the Regulators Production Group. They are the ones who made the beats for the intro and outro of this podcast. Without them, it would not sound nearly as good as it does. My voice is not nearly nice enough to be able to make up for the lack that this podcast would have without the beats that they produce. So for any of your audio production needs, go check out Regulators Regime on Instagram or just go reach out to Rod Simpson individually on Instagram. That's R-O-D-S-Y-M-B-A. Um, additionally, this, sh- this show is powered by Mile High Sports, but the presenting sponsor of the show is Terrapin Care Station. So for any of your cannabis goods or needs in the Denver metro area, make sure to go check out Terrapin Care Station for any of those needs. So before we go any further, here is a quick word from Terrapin. Before we get into the rest of the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast, let me give you one quick word from our sponsors over at Terrapin Care Station. Since 2010, Terrapin Care Station has been providing patients and customers with high-quality cannabis products at everyday low prices. Serving the communities of Denver, Boulder, and Aurora, they offer their own flour and concentrates, as well as all the brands you love at prices that you just won't believe. They pride themselves in having the most knowledgeable and professional staff in the industry, and their team will work with you one-on-one to help you find the products that are perfect for you. Their dispensaries are unassuming, safe, and discreet with ample parking at every location for a seamless retail experience. For up-to-date menus and promotions, head over to www.terrapincarestation.com or just come visit one of their five convenient Colorado locations today. Again, that is terrapincarestation.com, T-E-R-R-A-P-I-N, carestation.com. since Vegas because of the Vegas heat being very mean to my computer, but um, ever since Vegas, ever since I left Vegas, the Nuggets have had a couple of moves happen. So first and foremost, the most important of this information is going to be the fact that the Nuggets have fl- have signed Vlako Chanchar to a full NBA roster spot, according to Mike Singer of the Denver Post. I have not been able to confirm this myself, but Mike is as good as it gets when it comes to reporting. I completely trust his report, as you should too. 
But the interesting portion of his reporting is not that he signed, but he signed to the fifteen day, uh, the fifteen man roster. He is not on a two way deal. He will be on the Nuggets roster. I don't know how many years it is. I believe I heard it was two. I honestly don't know. But the point is, is that the Nuggets have Vlaco in Denver as a player that they can add a little bit of depth to their to their front court or just their forward depth as a whole. He can play the wing. He can play power forward. He can play a little bit of shooting guard, apparently, like he did in summer league. So he's really a break in case of emergency kind of player. I'll talk a little bit more about him when I get into the roster breakdown itself. But cool to see Vlaco end up getting an actual NBA contract. He's been working as way up to this point for quite a while. This is now his second summer league with the Nuggets after being drafted by them, I believe in 2016. So to see him get to this point is cool. Um, the Nuggets have always liked his game and his growth in the ACB league has been a big reason why he has been able to come over. So we'll see if he can fill in the gaps of just another, you know, international player who finds his way to the Denver Nuggets and is able to prosper after being found by this Nuggets front office, which consistently finds players outside of the U.S. borders who tend to really help in just overall depth for the team and just add some production value to the Nuggets themselves. Um, Additionally, the Nuggets have let Brandon Goodwin hit unrestricted free agency. They did not tender him a qualifying offer, so Brandon Goodwin will no longer be with the Denver Nuggets. He was on a one-year, two-way contract deal with the Nuggets, so we'll see what happens with him. He had a, uh, I would say, a decent summer league. He definitely had some issues and some glaring red flags but at the same time he was still able to fill it up he was still able to get to his shot he showed some good defensive ability and things like that so I would imagine he gets picked up somewhere or ends up back in the G League or with an international contract but I would imagine that he still does end up playing basketball he was not anywhere near bad enough to all of a sudden get like you know just kicked out of professional basketball as a whole he will find a spot to continue playing it'll be interesting to see how he progresses throughout the next few years um, Trey Lyles has agreed to go to the Spurs and Tyler Lydon has agreed to go to the Kings. Um, Trey Lyles getting a good opportunity in San Antonio. I'm excited to see if he can get the best out of his skill set there. He hasn't had the ability to do so, but it's very clear that his handles are real. His ability to finish at the rim when he's off of movement, off the bounce is real. You see when he's in practice that he has a good three-point shot, but none of it is translated yet. So maybe it, it translates in San Antonio. I really hope so. We'll just kind of have to wait and see. I do still Still have high hopes. I am not left Lyles Island. I just don't think that it'll work in Denver as the Nuggets are trying to pursue an NBA championship. The last thing I want to say about Leiden ending up on the Kings is that now the Donovan Mitchell trade is and is a complete failure. That's what this has to be looked at as. No, the Nuggets were never going to draft Donovan Mitchell. No, they didn't really have the room to develop him, but that doesn't make it any more of a disaster. With Trey Lyles now gone as the player they traded for, and the draft pick that they ended up using on Tyler Leiden ended up becoming a bust, the Nuggets got nothing back for a player that is you know, an all-star caliber player that is in division with the Utah Jazz. So we have to look at this as for what it is. That trade now is considered a complete failure because they have nothing to show for it while Utah has one of their franchise pillars in Donovan Mitchell with the pick that the Nuggets would have used themselves. So that's kind of just my rant. That's the news of what has happened. But I really don't want to spend any more time on that. I really want to get into this roster construction because I think it's going to be a really interesting discussion because roles could change quite a bit. There were a lot of injuries the Nuggets dealt with. We're going to see if guys step up. The bench unit's going to be a little bit different. It's going to be interesting to see how they work. So now I think it's time just to dive into all of that roster construction conversation.
this is going to be quite a long-winded part of this podcast, so let's just go straight into it. Um, I'm going to break down the Nuggets roster. I'm going to talk about the minutes they played last year and how their role could change going into next season. Um, I'll talk about what I expect their role to be on this team, how expectations may change depending on new contracts. And then I'll get into also some, um, I guess we'll call them positional battles. It's more of how are certain guys going to find the light of day. Um, it's going to be a very, just, it's, there's a lot of interesting conversations to have because the Nuggets have a shakier foundation in terms of what could change in their starting lineup and in their bench unit than people realize. So it won't be too, um, I guess, what's the word, controversial to start out. But once we start getting a little bit deeper into the conversation about the roster, there's some interesting things I want to talk about. But let's just start with Jamal Murray, who played 32.6 minutes per game last year. I think his role should be right around that. Again, 32 minutes a game. You don't want to push him too far. Jamal Murray has played most of his games, but he has also been banged up for most of the games that he has played. So I do think it'll be important for the Nuggets to find some way to keep him healthier than he has been. So upping his minutes low is not what I anticipate happening. So I do see him right around that 32 minutes per game this season. Um, But when it comes to the expectations and the role he will be filling, this is where it gets much more interesting. Obviously, you now know that Jamal Murray has signed a maximum contract extension of five years, $170 million. The same deal that Ben Simmons has been extended for as well. But the Nuggets, from what I gather, it's pretty... Most people understand that at this current point, this is an overpay for Jamal Murray for what he currently brings to the table. So the only way that this is really going to look good, despite the fact that the deal doesn't even kick in till next year, is that Jamal Murray needs to take the leap this season. Ryan Blackburn had a great piece on Denver Stiffs about how Jamal Murray and Kobe Bryant's kind of career arc need to follow a similar path in certain ways for Jamal Murray to become the player that the Nuggets need him to be, but the only way that they're really going to get into that real contender area is if he does take that leap forward. All of the expectations now are going to be so much more heightened when he's turning the ball over too much with these live ball turnovers just from dealing with on-ball pressure that is going to be looked at as worse. When he's not able to get the ball to Jokic in the post because he struggles with post-entry, that is going to look worse. When he's inconsistent as a shooter and he goes 0 of 21 like he has before randomly in his career, that is going to look worse. The expectations are going to grow massively and that's going to be an important thing, but this is the hard part. Is Jamal Murray can't force it now. So despite the fact that the expectations are going to rise, he has to balance that while also letting Jokic be the guy. Because obviously, the Nuggets go as Nikola Jokic goes. He is their engine. Jamal Murray can't take the expectations of a maximum contract and suddenly put that pressure on himself to be the guy because the money says he is the guy. And that would be an issue. So there's a lot that comes with the way that his mental approach could potentially change now that he has that maximum contract extension. Additionally, even if Jamal Murray is able to find that symbiotic balance with Nikola Jokic, which I do think he will be able to get to earlier in the season than probably many expect, the hard part after that is going to be 
finding ways to get other players in the starting lineup and on the court with him touches outside of Nikola Jokic. In the playoffs, it really became Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray versus the world. They just ran the two-man game over and over again, and if it didn't work, there were outlets that they tried to use to save them. Whether it was just Gary Harris spotting up in the corner, whether it was just dumping to Paul Millsap in the mid-post and letting him go to work. Other than those things, it was basically just Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic, we're going to play two-man game and we're going to see if we can get this to work just out of using this action. While it was very, very fortuitous for them to continue using that action, there were so many different things that could have been involved throughout the playoff process, like getting Gary Harris involved more with side DHOs with Nikola Jokic and using Jamal and Jamal Murray using his own gravity as a shooter and a scorer at the rim to create space for other players while also still operating in that dribble handoff. This isn't to say that Jamal Murray was selfish. This isn't to say that he struggled as a playmaker. It's just the mental approach to how they're going to play basketball ball on a possession-by-possession basis. Obviously, it won't be so strictly Nikola Jokic and Jamal Murray heavy in the regular season, but there has to be a concerted effort to make not make this the Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic show, but to make this the Denver Nuggets team offense being unbeatable, which it is more often than not. But again, if Jamal Murray feels the pressure of those expectations to become more than he currently is, that could lead to him potentially isolating people's out, not because he intends to, but because it's a causality of him trying to live up to that contract suddenly. This is a lot to ask of a 22-year-old point guard who is still growing as a facilitator and as a lead guard. That's a very difficult balance of not being too assertive, but assertive enough to justify $170 million while being the second best player on the team while also getting his teammates involved. That's an extremely delicate balance for somebody who is, let's be very frank here, as just uninhibited out there as Jamal Murray is. That guy goes out there just has fun. He plays basketball and he's not really trying to overthink his way through the game, but there might be a call to where Jamal Murray needs to think through the game more. The consistency matters a ton here. The ability to not only get his own shot and Jokic's shot, but other people's shot. And I haven't even talked about the fact that his defense has to take drastic steps forward for him really to be the player that the Nuggets need him to be. I don't want to talk too much more about Jamal Murray because he'll come up more as we talk about more players, but I do think that the balance that Jamal Murray needs to strike is going to be a difficult one, and I do not expect him to hit it perfectly until hopefully later in the year, if at all. If he can hit that balance once January and February come around and you can start to build on that chemistry, then you can start talking about the Nuggets going into the playoffs as potentially one of the most terrifying teams to face in the Western Conference. But if it's way too much Jamal Murray, or it's way too much just Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic and everybody else is getting somewhat frozen out, there could be an issue there with just the team balance and how they're going to play. And again, he needs to take gigantic leaps defensively for the Nuggets to be at their best. Um, let's move on, though, to Gary Harris, because this podcast will be an hour long if I continue talking about Jamal Murray. First of all, he was at about 29 minutes, and which I think is perfect, but again, he's just going to need to play a lot more games. Gary Harris was just hurt for most of last year. Um, I don't think he'll be able to break into those 30 minutes plus kind of area. That's why I have him at 29, just because there's so many other guards who are going to need time, and Gary Harris, because of the inconsistencies with his health, is going to kind of have to reprove himself, which is going to be an interesting theme as I go through the rest of the players here. But think about it. Will Barton is going to be coming back from an injury just like he is. Uh, Malik Beasley took a big step forward. Monte Morris became one of the best backup point guards in basketball, and then you still have Jamal Murray trying to get minutes 
as well. So trying to play five guards is very difficult. So if Gary Harris is injured or if he's not consistent, you could see minutes going to Malik Beasley and things like that. Or you start might start seeing Will Barton play a little bit more two-guard if he's playing well. That's going to be an interesting kind of, um, I guess situation for the wing slash guard players to really kind of figure out this rotation. So we'll talk about that rotation a little bit later, but I do think Gary Harris is locked in to be one of those 29 minute per guy players. Um, I think that we're going to see his chemistry bounce back quite a bit with Nikola Jokic if he stays healthy. I think we'll see him as a better three-point shooter. It was very uncharacteristic how he shot from three last year. So it's going to be interesting. I mean, it's going to be a fun year for Gary too because the, the expectations are so much lower for him it's almost like people have forgotten how good Gary Harris is it's almost like people forgot how ridiculous the I guess symbiotic relationship like Jamal Murray and Nikola Jokic was with Nikola Jokic and Gary Harris they were the original tandem that really unlocked Nikola Jokic's ability as a facilitator at the NBA level in a half court situation so I think because of people forgetting about that they're going to be talking about Malik Beasley they're going to be talking about Will Barton they're going to talk about Jamal Murray but they're going to forget how good Gary Harris was and he may be able to burst back onto the scene in a big way if he can stay healthy. Um, in the playoffs, he was most, mostly just a floor spacer and a defender. He really needs to get back in to being either the first, second, or third option in a dribble handoff with Nikola Jokic and keep those players moving. The Nuggets are at their best when they want, when they run one dribble handoff into another into another. You're forcing so many switches and so many rotations for the defense that Nikola Jokic will almost always create an advantage and be able to create an easy shot for his teammates. In the playoffs, it was just Jamal Murray and him running that action repeatedly over and over again. So they need to be able to get more players involved in that action. And Gary Harris obviously is the first person to try and get involved in addition to Jamal Murray. And if they can do that, if he can get back into that role again, man, the Nuggets are going to have even more versatility offensively. I don't think we saw the Nuggets hit anywhere near what their peak is offensively last year. And they were still like a top five offense by the time the season ended. So if they can get Gary Harris back, if they can start hitting at least an average level for the players they have of their shots from three-point range, if they get just health on their side, this Nuggets offense could become the best in basketball very, very, very quickly. And honestly, they could be a top three offense right now, but grow from that point. Again, the Warriors taking a step back. There's a lot of uncertainty and a lot of upheaval in the other teams. The Nuggets could hit the ground running. But for them to be the best they can be, Gary Harris needs to be healthy and he needs to be involved. Um, Let's move on to Will Barton, which is going to be an extremely interesting case study. He played about 28 minutes per game last year, but again was injured for a lot of it. Um, I would bet that number falls to about 23 minutes a game. I know I'm putting these projections of numbers out, but they are actually mathematically proven to get to 240 minutes. So it's not like I'm just taking a crapshoot for for, um, amount of minutes here. All of these numbers will add up to that 240-minute figure so that, yes, this would be a rotation. I need to actually make a spreadsheet of it, but I'm bad at spreadsheets and will be taking the next few hours to figure that out later on. But these are numbers that I have put through that would be a realistic scenario in which the Nuggets could actually play a rotation. So I have basically 11 players in a rotation and one and one of them you can mix and match. And Will Barton, in my opinion, his numbers would fall from 28 minutes to about 23. I think there's 
going to be an increased role from Malik Beasley. Michael Porter Jr. could need more minutes. You're going to see potentially Will Barton in a make-or-break year. If he's not good in the first 10 or 11 games, they could start to slowly diminish his role. Torrey Craig started in the playoffs for most of the games over him because of his struggles returning from injury. But that being said, Will Barton could come in and have a very big start to the year because he's finally fully healthy and back in shape and rejuvenated. And if that does happen, we could see these we could see him right back up at 28 minutes per game. But I do believe he'll be closer to 23 as the Nuggets involve more of this talent and expand roles around him. He's almost kind of just a casualty of the talent around him currently. But Barton does need to prove himself again. He will be on a shorter leash, which could allow Malik Beasley, Torrey Craig, or Michael Porter Jr. to overtake him in the rotation. I mean, Barton has all of the skills he could ever need offensively to bounce back in a huge way this year and supplant himself as a legit starter of this team. Again, though, if he doesn't show up as that guy, the Nuggets may need to pull the plug you know, sooner rather than later and make him more of that sixth man that he used to be. But again, I still think we're going to see him start first off the bat and see what he can do. Um, he did show that he had an improved defensive effort in the playoffs, but regardless, there's, this is going to be a make-or-break year for Will Barton. I'll talk more about him later on as well. He's a big integral, integral part of the position battles kind of section that I have uh, for later on in the show, so we'll leave it for that. But this is a make-or-break year for Will Barton, and I do see his role being smaller to start the year than it was last year. Um, moving on, though, Paul Millsap. I do think Paul Millsap starts at the four. There's no reason to change things up too crazy. So might as well just let it keep rolling. Um, He played about 27 minutes a game last year. I see Paul Millsap's role changing in a way that I see Will Barton's role changing. I think we we could see Paul Millsap play closer to 22 to 25 minutes next year. First of all, to keep him healthy and to keep him fresh going into the playoffs. And secondly, because Jeremy Grant is here. I mean, Jeremy Grant is going to play a lot of minutes. He may come off the bench, but I do envision him playing more minutes than Paul Millsap, and I do envision him playing more backup center minutes than Paul Millsap as well. So, yes, Paul Millsap is an important part of this team. He is what made their defense work, but I just don't see him playing big, big minutes in the regular season. He's going to have nights where he goes off, um, but really, Paul Millsap just needs to keep doing what he's doing in a smaller role to allow Jeremy Grant to also grow with this team. But it's going to be weird because that's going to be a shock for Paul Millsap. He's never been a guy who's played that few minutes. You have to go way back to be able to see when, you know, early in his career when he's played that kind of minutes. Um, it's going to, and although this could change because if Michael Porter Jr. is not playing well or Jeremy Grant's not playing well or Mason Plumley gets hurt or is out of the rotation, you could see Paul Millsap play more minutes. If Jeremy Grant is able to close games at three for the Nuggets, you could see Paul Millsap play minutes. So there's a lot of fluid nature, but Paul Millsap, he could be a casualty of minutes as well in the front court just because he's getting older. The Nuggets have who they have been describing as the power forward of the future and Jeremy Grant behind him in the depth chart and Paul Millsap frankly might not be back in Denver after this year he picked the the Nuggets picked up his player option he is an unrestricted free agent going into next year and the Nuggets don't have much money to spend on other free agents so they Paul Millsap may be slowly having his role diminish for Jeremy Grant just because his future may not be in Denver. So again, very fluid but I do see in addition to Will Barton Paul Millsap losing some minutes as well. Let's do Nikola Jokic real quick, then we'll take a quick break, and we will dive into the rest of the roster. Uh, I'm gonna, So we'll talk about Nikola Jokic, obviously. I'll talk about the bench five, 
technically six guys because I see two players kind of splitting time at the three before hitting the third stringers and then talking about position battles. But Nikola Jokic, he only played about 31.3 minutes per game last year, and I love it. Uh, He should be playing around 32 minutes a game in my opinion. There's no reason to push his minutes too high. The Nuggets have enough talent around him offensively to be able to continue keeping things moving. That way, if they do need to play him bigger minutes in random games, they'd be able to. The Nuggets now have Paul Millsap, Jeremy Grant, and Mason Plumley to soak up center minutes. There's no need to now play him at the four in any situation because Jeremy Grant and Paul Millsap should soak up every single power forward minute they have, in my opinion. Um, so with that being said, there's not really a reason to push him past 32 minutes. You need him to play 64 minutes in a playoff game and 44 minutes straight, apparently, in four overtime games. So that's for me in terms of how many minutes he would play. I don't see them extending him very far. With that being said, though, let's talk about his role. Because obviously we know what Nikola Jokic's role role is on the Nuggets. I want to talk more about his role in the greater NBA landscape. So in my opinion, right now, especially considering the moves the Nuggets have done this season, I think Nikola Jokic steps in as a top two, top three MVP candidate from the very start of the year, and my way too early MVP prediction is Nikola Jokic. There's just no reason that he shouldn't step in and be able to put up just obnoxious numbers. He has the most continuity in the league to work with. All these other teams with all these other stars have so much upheaval around their roster. The Nuggets have almost none. He was already fourth in MVP voting and arguably should have been third last year. His, I mean, and it's not crazy to think that he could put up absurd numbers. His regular season per 36 is almost the same as his playoff per 36 minutes, and that tells me that no matter what he does, he is going to produce extremely similar to the numbers he put up, right around 22, 12, and 8. And if he can do that, and if he can up his three-point percentage, which he should, you could look at Nikola Jokic averaging 25 12 to 13 rebounds a game and eight and a half assists. And if he's doing that, he is right there at the top of the MVP ladder. And in addition, if the Nuggets are playing well, which again, they should hit the ground running quicker than most other teams in the West because of their continuity. He could also be leading the Nuggets to a near top, you know, top seed in the Western conference, if not the number one seed in the, in the Western conference. I just don't see why Nikola Jokic couldn't be an MVP candidate next year. And let's not forget, he improved on defense so much last year, and he was not able to be played off the floor. There was nothing that either the Portland Trailblazers or San Antonio Spurs could do to get Nikola Jokic off the floor defensively. They ran him through multiple pick-and-roll options and different pick-and-roll looks. They posted him up. They doubled him. They tried everything to get him off the floor offensively and defensively, and they couldn't do it. So, Nikola Jokic with his improvement on defense, if the Nuggets are a top 10 defense, if they're also a top 5 offense, if they're the number 1 seed in the West, or even just a top 3 seed in the West, and he's averaging 24, 12, and 8, I don't see how you can't have him very, very close to the very top of the MVP conversation. So, that's all I want to talk about with Roll. We know he's the engine. We'll know he'll play in the high post. We'll know he'll create. We'll know he'll shoot. We'll know he'll eat people alive in the post. It is what Nikola Jokic does, but I think he right now, he should be the best value for MVP in the league. Let's dive into what the bench unit is going to look like because they have six legitimate players, five, let's, let's call it five and a half, that are legitimate NBA players that are very good NBA players that could start on probably a couple teams in the league, if not more. The Nuggets just bench unit is going to be Monte Morris, who's arguably the best backup point guard in the league, top five at least. Malik Beasley, who is 
very, very, very valuable around the league. A lot of teams are looking for a 6-6 guard slash wing who has the ability to defend, even though he hasn't shown it yet, freakish athleticism and a very, very silky smooth shot. Then you have a guy like Jeremy Grant, who the Nuggets just traded for and is the perfect front court partner for Nikola Jokic, and Mason Plumlee, who started on a playoff team. Jeremy Grant also started on a playoff team. So, I mean, that's those four players alone are just a freakishly talented nine-man rotation. But when you start talking about backup small forward, you have a battle between Torrey Craig and Michael Porter Jr. This is so hard to kind of differentiate who's going to get those minutes. It's a complete crapshoot because, first of all, we haven't seen Michael Porter Jr. play basketball in two years. He's played three games for Missouri and, has, and was not really that good and could barely move, it seemed like. So you really only have his high school film to go off of when you see what kind of player he is. So with that being said, you have a 21-year-old who hasn't played basketball in two years, has had two lower back surgeries, has had an MCL sprain that kept him out of summer league this year, has had drop foot apparently, and also had a hip issue during the pre-draft process a year and a half ago. That's a lot of things going on with a player who hasn't played in two years. So I, it's hard for me to project him as any part of this rotation right now. I very much so understand his talent level and that he absolutely could force his way in. It's just hard for me to see him as anything but a non-factor right now. I know you have guys that are very, very respected journalists talking about how incredibly good talented he is and how good he looks um, and how much the Nuggets are praising what he has been able to do already. I get that. I've heard from the Nuggets myself. I've reported on this podcast and online myself that Michael Porter Jr., according to the Nuggets, could be the key to them unlocking their championship hopes. I'm not buying that yet. I can't buy it yet. He hasn't played basketball in two years. So while he very well could be that guy, I'm just waiting and seeing because he's played only so much five on five and then hurt himself again. So until I see it, he's just a non-factor to me. So let's just stay in with that small forward, backup small forward role. And it was Torrey Craig who filled it last year. Um, he played about 20 minutes a game, started sometimes, sometimes didn't. I do see the overall backup small forward, forward position just kind of, losing some minutes I took it down from 20 to 18 minutes so if Michael Porter Jr. is what everybody is saying he could be and he actually looks this good I would imagine game one he plays about 13 minutes while Torrey Craig gets about five and you're talking about Torrey Craig just filling up some end of the quarter minutes some adding some defensive versatility to some lineups for a couple minutes here and there he's not really a part of the rotation but a fill-in guy to be able to just to kind of round out what is going on and then I see Michael Porter Jr. getting around 13 minutes and slowly working his way up from there because it's just so hard to see you know to allow this guy to go out there and play 21 minutes so but if Michael Porter Jr. is bad or he can't play or he is just so far behind Torrey Craig's probably going to get 13 minutes while Michael Porter Jr. gets five and slowly works his way into the rotation all I know is that whoever that guy is they're going to be the combo forward off the bench and whoever stands out will play I imagine Torrey Craig gets the nod for now Michael Porter Michael Malone just trust him. That's why he started 11 playoff games. He's been able to hit threes. He defends his ass off. He flies around, gives great energy. But again, Michael Porter Jr. could pretty much eliminate his role entirely in the rotation if he does play well. But we're just going to have to wait and see. 
So I see about 18 minutes there. Um, also, let's just kind of recap where I see these players. I see Jamal Murray at 32 minutes, Gary Harris at 29, Will Barton closer to 23, as is Paul Millsap. I have him at 22. I have Nikola Jokic around 32 minutes. And then uh, from there, I have 18 minutes for that backup three, whether it's Torrey Craig or Michael Porter Jr. And then moving to Monte Morris, who I have at 24 minutes, which was exactly what he played last year, which is perfect for him. I don't even want to talk about Monte much. Just do exactly what he did last year to go out there and hit, you know, above 37% from three to not turn the ball over, to be a smart point guard, to get to his spots and only take high percentage shots. Just be exactly who Monte Morris was last year. That's really all the Nuggets need from him. So let's move to Malik Beasley now, who I think will jump up to about 25 minutes a game from 23 last year, which may not seem like much, but it's more of the role that he's playing differently as opposed to just being a guard off the bench. So I do think uh, I do think Malik Beasley will be probably the first or second guy off the bench with Monte Morris and Jeremy Grant. Uh, we'll have to just wait and see how quickly Malone flips his rotation over, but I would imagine that you're going to see Malik Beasley come in for Will Barton, Jeremy Grant come in for Paul Millsap, and then Monte Morris follow them um, once Jamal Murray starts getting a little bit more winded. That's just kind of how I see it going, because then you'll have Monte Morris, Malik Beasley, Jeremy Grant, Nikola Jokic, and you know insert other guard here on the t- on on the floor at that point, which is an extremely interesting meshing lineup of the bench and. Um, starting unit. So I do think that you're going to see Malik Beasley use so much more as a weapon going into next season. They got to see who who and what he is. He might be the Nuggets' most interesting player in terms of where he fits in the Nuggets' grand scheme because he could absolutely be a starting small forward in a couple years. He could be the starting two guard if the Nuggets can't get Gary Harris to stay healthy. Who knows? He could be the super sub off the bench who gets paid very, very well. No one knows what he is going to be in terms of how he fits the hierarchy in Denver. Um, also, if you're Malik Beasley and you're talking about a new contract being a restricted free agent next year, you just saw Gary Harris get $84 million and be hurt for a year and a half, essentially. You just saw Jamal Murray, who was inefficient but still productive, get a max deal. You saw Will Barton go out there and get the money that he got, despite the fact that he was hurt and he was inefficient last year. If you're Malik Beasley, I would be asking for all of that money as well. So he's going to have to play a good He's going to have to be extremely productive this year. As of right now, he's only had one strong season, but I do think that Malik Beasley is going to be looked at as the X factor on the Nuggets next year, and I cannot wait to see what he can do. If he can grow as a defender, which he has all of the physical skills in the world, but is just mentally behind as a defender right now, if he can grow as a defender, if he can keep hitting 40% of his threes, dunking on everybody, and being able to you know add a little bit of that in-between game like he was doing last year how do you sit him there's just no way to keep him out so what it's going to come down to for me is can Gary Harris stay healthy if not it's Malik Beasley's role um the other guy is Will Barton is Will Barton going to be able to go back to the player he was before his injury or will he come back the same player he was after his injury that struggled in the second half of the year so much it, that's going to be the question because in my opinion, Gary Harris is locked in 28 minutes per game, if not more, and Jamal Murray is locked into 32 minutes a game. So Malik Beasley's only way in is if one of those guards, if is if, well, Gary Harris gets hurt or if Will Barton struggles and he finds a way in. So that's going to be so interesting. Again, I'll talk more about Malik Beasley when I get into those positional battles, but that's 
that's going to be an extremely interesting um, situation to observe as the year goes along. Is Malik Beasley, his role, his minutes, and his shots that he ends up either earning or just not getting enough of. He can play both the two and the three. Will Barton and Torrey Craig could both lose minutes to him. He can fill in at the... He, I mean, he can just do a little bit of everything that you need him to do at those spots. And he's proven that when he starts, he puts up big numbers. So Malik Beasley is going to be a hyper-interesting situation. The other one that's going to be very interesting is, of course, Jeremy Grant. I mean, this is I'm already of the thinking that there could be a point in the middle of the season in which the Nuggets go to Paul Millsap and ask and start talking to him about starting Jeremy Grant over him. Jeremy Grant just fits so perfectly next to Nikola Jokic, but the way that the rotation kind of bears out, he's only going to play like 25 minutes a game off the bench. I do not think that that is the optimal role for Jeremy Grant. He'll be fine in it. It won't hurt, and he will be one of the first guys off the bench to get minutes with Nikola Jokic, and Monte Morris will put him in great positions, and the the lob threat of Mason Plumlee will space the floor enough to get him open looks to attack closeouts and things like that, but... It's going to be extremely interesting to see how the Nuggets navigate that because they're going to want to get every minute possible with Jeremy Grant and Nikola Jokic on the floor. And the only way to really do that is to start him. But they want to start Paul Millsap to do right by him because they brought him in as the quote-unquote perfect complement to Nikola Jokic in the front court. And that's going to be just a very interesting development. Are they going to go with the younger, potentially longer-term fit in Jeremy Grant by the time that the year gets around the middle of the year? Are they going to ride it out with Paul Millsap, whose future is very uncertain in Denver? I mean, there's just a lot to that conversation. If I was to make a guess, I would say Jeremy Grant plays about 25 minutes to start the year. And then as the year progresses, you'll start seeing that number get higher and higher. They'll start closing with him. And eventually, he will be starting over Paul Millsap in my opinion and that brings us to the last player in the starting lineup or in the bench unit which is going to be very unfortunate which is Mason Plumley, who let's be frank is going to lose a ton of his role because of the Nuggets going and getting Jeremy Grant I only see Mason Plumley playing about 12 minutes a game and soaking up whatever backup center minutes are left after the Nuggets play small with Grant at center or Millsap at center. There just isn't enough room. Nikola Jokic is the Nuggets center, obviously, so that already limits Mason Plumlee's ability to play. They're not going to play Jokic and Plumlee together much this year because why would you when you have Jeremy Grant now? And Jeremy Grant will probably be playing some small ball five this year. I could not, I would be surprised if he didn't. So, I just see Mason Plumlee's minutes fall into like 12 a game, and it has nothing to do with the fact that he has struggled. It has nothing to do with his fit. It's just, again, a, he's a casualty of the talent around him, which just sucks. It's not something that you want to see because he deserves better than that because he has given so much to this team, and he sacrificed so much of his own role and his own minutes to make this place work. And it just seems like with the way things are going and with him being a free agent after this coming year, there just isn't going to be much of a role for Mason Plumlee. And I do imagine that him and probably Paul Millsap will not be in Denver come this time next year. That's projecting way too far out. Things change in five minutes in the NBA. But as the roster is currently bearing out, it's tough to see either of them in Denver next year. Let's just quickly run through the third stringers. Um, like I said, Vlako Chanchar have been added to the Nuggets roster. Um, the way that I see Vlako's role is he is the breaking case of emergency player. If you need someone to play some spot minutes at four, he can do so. If you need some spot minutes at three, he can do so. If you need him at the two, he can do so. He can hit shots. He makes good decisions. He doesn't make bad decisions. He can get downhill. He's more athletic than you would think. Um, he's a decent rebounder. He's just a really smart and strong defender. He can just, he, he's the perfect multi 
multi-tool to have off the bench. In baseball, he's your utility player who can play second, short, outfield. He can play a little bit of third base, can hit for a little bit of power, he can hit for a little bit for average, has a good eye. Like He's just that kind of player. So that's how I see Vlaco's role going. Uh, Jared Vanderbilt, obviously the high upside defender who will probably just see a lot of G League minutes. I mean, it's hard for me to see any situation in which he plays minutes at the NBA level unless there's injury, foul trouble, or it's a blowout. That's kind of just his role. Uh, Bull Bull, he still has not signed any kind of rookie deal or anything like that, so technically not a part of the roster, but I wanted just to talk about him because, I mean, the Nuggets spent money and a future draft pick to go get him, so I'm sure he'll end up signing, but... Um, I, I would imagine he's not going to play for quite a while, if at all, this season. I do think that they're just going to try and get him stronger. This is a guy who was only 240 pounds at seven foot two when he uh, when he started his college career, and after getting hurt, is now down to 208. He needs to put on 30 to 40 pounds of muscle, like. That's just he needs to add weight to his body, not even just muscle. He just needs to add weight. So I would imagine that the Nuggets are going to get him on a nutrition plan and have him getting stronger and rehabbing to the fullest that they can possibly get him to 100% for most of the season. He might play some G League, but I would not be surprised to see him redshirted. Um, Juancho Hernan Gomez is the last one I want to talk about. It sucks to add him to this third stringers conversation, but the fact is is that he has not proven himself and he has to prove himself this year um i'll talk about him some more of the position battles i'm about to talk about in a second but that guy i mean you got to i mean he has to prove something this year he's going to be a restricted free agent next year he's been hurt more than he's been healthy and he really only has one great year to show that ability that he has as a player so we'll talk about wancho hernan gomez when i get to those positional battles in a second But this is the part that's interesting to me the most, and it's going to be, I called it position battles, but it's really the hierarchy and how things are going to shake out. The first and most obvious one is, of course, Michael Porter Jr. and really just where he's going to get minutes. So what I called it is Michael Porter Jr. versus Torrey Craig and Will Barton, because one of them is going to start, one will come off the bench, and one is effectively out of the rotation entirely. As things stand right now, I would say that Will Barton starts, Torrey Craig comes off the bench, and until Michael Porter Jr. actually plays, he is the guy that is out of the rotation and will only play about five minutes a game. I mean... It, if we, if Michael Porter Jr. is good, like I said earlier, I see him playing 15 minutes a night, Torrey Craig filling in otherwise, and then maybe his minutes would grow from there if he's playing well. If Michael Porter Jr. is not good to start, Torrey Craig will take up most of the backup small forward uh, minutes, and then while Michael Porter Jr. Sh- slowly works his way back as Will Barton continues to start. This is where things get interesting. If Will Barton struggles in the first 10 games or so, he's going to have a short leash. The Nuggets already were dealing with the fact that he was struggling so much in the second half of last year that they know that they're going to need to stack up as many wins as they can, and they're probably going to pull the plug on Barton starting quicker than we would have seen last year. 
so in my opinion, Tory Craig would be the first one to step into that starting five. First of all, Michael Malone trusts him entirely. There is no player on that roster that is not Jamal Murray or Nikola Jokic that Malone would just trust just to throw out there in any particular circumstance, and he will give it his all, play tough defense, and be versatile enough to help his team. And now he's been hitting threes as well. Um, additionally, he's done it during the playoffs, so he knows his team. He knows how to play generally well at Nikola Jokic. He's not Gary Harris or Jamal Murray, but he knows how to. And again, he adds that defensive versatility. That would mean if Barton struggles and Craig steps into the starting lineup, Michael Porter Jr. would be out of the rotation unless he is playing better than Will Barton, which isn't out of the question, but would take some serious convincing before he gets there. So again, one starts, one comes off the bench, and one is out of the rotation. Michael Porter Jr., Torrey Craig, or Will Barton. As I stand right now, I see Will Barton starting, I see Torrey Craig off the bench, and I see Michael Porter Jr. soaking up some minutes here and there and slowly working his way into the rotation. The next one that comes up is going to be that front court conversation. And really, it's Mason Plumlee versus the front court because the Nuggets have Nikola Jokic obviously starting, Millsap or Jeremy Grant starting, Paul Millsap to start. Maybe Jeremy Grant later in the year will start instead of Millsap. I would assume so. But that means that Mason Plumlee, there's just very little room for him. It's already tough to play four bigs. And the way the Nuggets were able to do it last year was they didn't really have a power forward who could soak up significant minutes at the backup center position. So Mason Plumlee got every single backup center uh, minute that was available and even played with Nikola Jokic in spurts. I highly doubt that happening this year because Nikola Jokic is going to be better paired with Jeremy Grant and with Paul Millsap than he's going to be with Mason Plumlee. And if you really want to play small again, you can definitely just go to Michael Porter Jr. And and then you also have Jeremy Grant, who's big enough to give you your Twin Towers-esque lineup. So... I don't see a scenario in which Plumlee and Jokic play together. Jeremy Grant's going to need 22 to 30 minutes a night. Paul Millsap's going to need 20 to 28 minutes a night. Both Millsap and Grant can play backup five in short spurts, especially Jeremy Grant, who can do it more than Paul Millsap. So Plumlee will play, but it just seems like there's not going to be very many minutes for him. That's why I kind of project him at 12 minutes. So we'll just kind of have to wait and see. But Mason Plumlee is going to have to either outplay Paul Millsap or somebody gets hurt for him to legitimately get rotation minutes. So I do not see Paul, uh, Mason Plumley playing very many minutes going into next year. Last but not least, in terms of these kinds of position battles, is Juancho Hernan Gomez against the wing and power forward field, which is going to be Will Barton, Malik Beasley, Michael Porter Jr., Torrey Craig, Vlako Chanchar, and Jared Vanderbilt. The reason I included all of them is because really Juancho cannot, he can fit anywhere in that conversation, depending on how he plays this year. This is going to be the make-or-break year for Juancho Hernan Gomez. I'm sure there will be teams out there who would be willing to pay him, even if he struggles again this year, but it'll be a flyer, and we'll see if you play yourself into it. It won't be excitement to bring him in. And additionally, the Nuggets aren't going to have money to bring him back if he doesn't show improvement. The Nuggets are only going to have about $20 million in cap space, and that's and that's not including Mason Plumley, Paul Millsap, Torrey Craig, and Malik Beasley, who are all going to be free agents as well in different capacities. And he's completely buried. I mean, I listed all of those players who are in the realm of where he is on the depth chart. So the real question is, can he outplay any of those players above him? 
I would say he's above above Vlaco and Jared Vanderbilt right now in terms of the rotation. I'm not sure he's as valuable long term as both of those players to the Nuggets. But if you were to list the depth chart one to seventeen, I would say that he is above both of them. So again, so maybe he is better than both of them, and he can be their utilitarian type player. Michael Porter Jr. could still be a bust. Let's be very, very honest here. He could get hurt again, and the Nuggets can be like, we just don't know if we can plan for him to be in our future, and they could play Wancho Hernan Gomez for the five minutes that Michael Porter Jr. would have played instead. Will Barton is on extreme, is on extremely shaky ground. If he still isn't the player that he was and the Nuggets are frustrated with him, there is a world in which Wancho Hernan Gomez could start getting some minutes because of that, and Malik Beasley has only shown one good season of play. So, while there is a lot of volatility at that wing power forward position, Wancho Hernan Gomez is buried and it's going to take one hell of a season and a lot of luck for him for again, individually, not for the Nuggets luck for him, that players just don't pan out for him to become the player that he wants to be and stay in Denver. It's going to be very tough for him. There just isn't really a role for him in Denver right now, unless he forces it to happen. So We'll have to just wait and see, but let's just recap this real quick. Um, So the Nuggets signed Vlaco Chanchar. They let Brandon Goodwin hit unrestricted free agency and did not give a qualifying offer. Trey Lyles is now at the Spurs. Tyler Lydon is now at the Kings. The Nuggets have failed the Donovan Mitchell trade. The Nuggets starting five will be Jamal Murray, Gary Harris, Will Barton, Paul Millsap, Nikola Jokic, in my opinion. I see Jamal Murray playing 32 minutes a game, and he needs to show a lot because of that new contract. Gary Harris should be playing 29 minutes a game and needs to be healthy. Will Barton's role should get smaller. He'll only be playing about 23 minutes a night, in my opinion, and he'll need to prove himself once again if he doesn't want to get overtaken. Paul Millsap, I think his role gets diminished because of the emergence of Jeremy Grant, or the acquisition, I should say. So I think Paul Millsap plays about 22 to 25 minutes a game. Nikola Jokic should be playing around 32 minutes a game, but should step forward into that MVP conversation. Uh, the bench unit of Malik Beasley, Monte Morris, Jeremy Grant, Mason Plumley, and then one of Torrey Craig and Michael Porter Jr is legit the question is going to be is Michael Porter Jr. even an NBA player yet can he actually play NBA basketball Um, I do think Monte Morris plays 24 minutes a game Malik Beasley around 25 between Torrey Craig and Michael Porter Jr. about 18 I think Jeremy Grant plays about 25 minutes and I think Mason Plumlee's just um Mason Plumlee's role just kind of starts to disappear and he plays 12 minutes. I think Vlatko is only here to be a completely utilitarian player that can do a little bit of everything. Jared Vanderbilt is now buried in the rotation. Bull Bull will be looking to get stronger and play in the G League hopefully this year. And Wancho Hernan Gomez has a ton to prove. So that leads Michael Porter Jr. trying to get time by taking minutes from Torrey Craig or Will Barton. Mason Plumlee getting his role completely diminished unless he can somehow overtake Paul Millsap in the rotation. Um, and then Wancho Hernan Gomez looking to try and find minutes by taking it from either Will Barton, Malik Beasley, Michael Porter Jr., Torrey Craig, or someone like that. So that's really the encapsulation of all of this pod. Oh, and while I'm here, um, I just saw shouts to Blake Murphy, who does wonderful work at The Athletic. Um, he just reported that Jamal Murray is on the training camp roster for Team Canada. So they now have Wancho Hernan Gomez on Team Spain, uh, Jamal Murray on Team Canada, and Nikola Jokic on Team Serbia. So the World Cup will be very interesting. Lots of nuggets will be on those teams. So 
Keep it locked. I'll have so much more content into this Denver Nuggets daily podcast. Thanks for sticking around. I know it was an extremely long podcast. There was a lot to talk about, but I hope that you learned or gained some kind of perspective from this podcast about where the Nuggets will be moving forward and how their roster could shake out. But until next time, we will talk to you later. Again, I am TJ McBride of Mile High Sports. Subscribe to the Denver Nuggets Daily Podcast. Go get your weed from Terrapin Care Station. Go shout out Regulators Production Group on Instagram and go pay for some beats from them. But until next time, I will talk to you guys later.